Blog Talk Radio. Each and every Tuesday night, each and Tuesday, each and every Tuesday and Thursday night, sorry folks, from 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. Welcome to the show that truly covers sports, life, and everything in between. My name is Joe, Just Business Buccino, and as always, seated somewhere in his seat, my tag team partner, David Gomez, aka DG, aka Daily Grind. Daily Grind, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Ready to get the show rocking and rolling. Good, good. Before we get on the way, I just want to welcome aboard to the Pure Gold family, Kelly, our new board operator. Kelly, welcome aboard. DG, is, contact, uh, <laughs> contact, contact information. information. Sir. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, I was going to say that Kelly is busy taking phone calls. Our call in line, as always, if you'd like to talk to Kelly, 714-364-4721. Our email address, as always, puregoldpg at yahoo.com. You can follow us at Twitter, puregoldpg. Our YouTube channel, puregoldpg. Our Facebook, that's right, folks, puregoldpg. And as always, JB and DG write articles for sportswages.com. Thanks, DG. And did you also have a good weekend? I did have a good weekend. The team that I was rooting for won the Super Bowl. Um, it was good. It was good all around, JB. Well, obviously, I had a what you call a semi-Super Super Bowl um, or a Super Weekend because, obviously, my team that I wanted to get to the Super Bowl didn't make it. But, again, the Super Bowl is one of my you know favorite holidays, and uh, Super Bowl 45 is in the books. And, boy, do we have a lot to break down in tonight's show. Um, you know, we could talk about, you know, to get let's get right into it. I mean, from the get-go at 627, Christina Aguilera sings the national anthem, DG. And I don't know how you do this, but she botched up the national anthem in front of a worldwide audience. Well, it was the most widely viewed television event in the history of television, and obviously making it the highest-rated, highest-watched Super Bowl, even more so than last year. And... uh my wife picked up on it. Another friend who was at the house picked up on it. I wasn't paying attention. She looked a little bloated to me, but, you know, I guess Christina was, uh, I, I I don't know what she was doing, JB. I don't know how you botch it, and honestly, I don't even know who really knows the words to the song, per se. I'm not sure everybody does, but if you're going to sing in front of a billion, trillion, zillion people, the entire world, living world is watching you, you cannot and must not make that mistake. I agree with you. I mean, you know, Christina Aguilera is a pretty well-known uh, artist, you know, worldwide. And yeah, now, uh, to be honest with you, now I always remember her as the as the person that botched up the national anthem in front of the largest audience in the world. Yeah, yeah. My uh, my wife was actually talking about this with me yesterday at dinner. She was uh, she was pretty much going nuts about the fact that uh, 
you know, this country is, you know, it's America, it's the land that we love, how could you mess this up? How could you make that mistake in front of everybody? People died, you know, when the, when the National Anthem was written, you know, Francis Garkey wrote it. People died for that. They were watching that wars were going on. Men and women had shed blood, and they, and they did that, like, four-hour, uh, you know, Declaration of Independence commercial, right? At the beginning of it, you cannot mess that up, JB. But, you know, she didn't kill anybody. Let's take it a little bit easy, but I understand that it's it's a sensitive issue, you know, they broke it down. What can I say? She broke it down. She, like a big old bus, just collapsed on us, JB. Yes, she did. And, um, you know, from that, you know, we could talk about it, and we'll get into it as we break down each quarter of the Super Bowl since this is the last game of the football season, unfortunately, because, you know, every guy probably looks forward to every Sunday for football. Uh, we'll break down pretty much each quarter and, you know, get uh, your your point of, view, point of view, Dave. Hopefully get some callers yeah. in as well. Uh, but you know we had a we had a decent halftime show. I know the audio wasn't good, but I'll get into why I thought that it was a great halftime show. And we'll talk about Mr. Aaron Rodgers, the MVP of Super Bowl 45. And you know along the way we'll we'll just dissect it. So let's get right into it, DG. Uh, first quarter, you know, it was interesting. You, you had Green Bay win the coin toss and they deferred, yeah. which meant they gave the ball to Pittsburgh. So I thought that was interesting to get go because you figure a an offense like Green Bay wants to get the ball, score first, set the tone for the game, but no, they actually deferred. What did you think about that one? I thought it was interesting because I've always heard all the you know sports analysts talk about how in a big game like that you never want to defer. You always want to get the ball first, get out ahead, and take the lead. But, I mean, you know, Green Bay felt confident in doing that, and the fact is that, them starting out the second half with the ball was great, even though they did nothing with it, but they pretty much uh, had possession of the ball right towards the very end of the first half. So, it, you know, you know, look at it, technically they almost had two back-to-back uh, possessions in a row, um, you know, to end the, the first half and start the second. Uh, I don't know, JB. I mean, it, it was a little surprising, but I guess they felt so confident in their defense getting the job done that they wanted to set up the second half. I mean, in case they were losing, come right out and, you know, try and score. Yeah, I, I don't think it was a bad move, JB, and it definitely didn't hurt them. Yeah, it, it was interesting. I mean, I thought it was definitely interesting considering that they have a great offense. But Pittsburgh did yeah. go three and out, so they did go three and out, so Pittsburgh um, punted, and Green Bay looked like geniuses, obviously, because, you know, they went three and out and they got the ball. But um, on the first part of the game, um, and I think this could have been a big game changer, believe it or not. I know it sounds, it sounds hard to believe in the first quarter, but – um, there was almost a muffed punt, you know, on that first punt. And if Green Bay loses that ball and uh, Pittsburgh recovers, I think um, Pittsburgh has the momentum. And I think that Green Bay, a team that hasn't been to the Super Bowl the last couple of years like Pittsburgh, now feels the pressure, you know, of, you know, basically now they have to make sure that they they, they stop Pittsburgh in their zone. Um, so I thought that it was big for them to recover the ball. Didn't you think so, D.G.? Yeah, definitely it was big for them to recover the ball. Um, you know, the, the fact of the matter is that I saw that punt the, the, when he muffed it. I was like, oh, you know, I was I was amazed. But you know what? They they did what they had to do. They got the ball back, did they? Yep. I mean, again, if, if Pittsburgh recovers the ball, I think Green Bay goes into panic mode. Uh, they haven't been there just like Pittsburgh has been there the last couple of years. And I think that the yeah, game yeah. might actually turn that way. So, Great recovery by by Green Bay, and, you know, that was very important. And then the next big play in the first quarter was um, you couldn't throw a, a more perfect pass that Aaron Rodgers threw to Nelson to put them up 7 yeah. nothing. I think it was, a, it was a perfect spot, 
perfect pass, and they went up seven nothing. Um, later on that first quarter, uh, Ben Roth, you know, Ben throws a, a big pick. His arm gets hit. He throws an interception to Nick Collins, and Nick Collins basically returns it for a pick six. And you, you have the yeah. feeling at this point, you have the feeling at fourteen nothing, DG, that this game might get out of hand for Pittsburgh. Yeah, well, I remember you texted me, and I think you said something like 42-17 or something like that. And I was like, well, you know, hopefully hopefully uh, Pittsburgh can come back and make a game out of it. And they, they definitely did. But, uh, you know, getting back to the point you just made about the, the throw of Nelson for the touchdown, that was the theme of the day, to be honest with you, JB. Perfect, picture-perfect passes by Aaron Rodgers to Jordy Nelson. And, I mean, the game would have and should have been a blowout if Nelson makes, like, two more catches. You know, the, the, it, this game would have been close, J.B. No, I agree. I mean, Jordy Nelson made uh, a lot of good catches, but he had also a couple of drops. I mean, if Jordy Nelson makes, uh, you know, four or five more catches, Aaron Rodgers might yeah. have one of the best games ever at the Super Bowl. So um, that was definitely. big, you know. So to start the second quarter, it's 14 nothing, and, you know, you, you get the feeling that if Green Bay could score another touchdown, this game might get out of hand. But fortunately for Pittsburgh, they have a nice little drive, they do sell for a field goal, DJ, but the score then is, is 14-3, to basically. I mean, it's not, you know, it's 14-3, and you think that, you know, there's a shot for Pittsburgh to get back in this game. So, um, unfortunately yeah, then, definitely. you know, unfortunately then Ben Roethlisberger in the second quarter throws another interception, and, you know, Green Bay once again scores and basically goes up 21-3. to So, you have two turnovers, and Green Bay turns them into two touchdowns. That's pretty big. Yeah. I have to admit that the second touchdown wasn't so much a bad uh, Ben's fault as much as it was just a great uh, pick. You know, that ball was low to the ground. He caught it, and then, uh, like you said, it led to a, a touchdown with uh, with Aaron Rodgers and, uh, and uh, Jennings, I believe. But, uh, you know, th- that was a great play, JB. you got to give uh, Green Bay credit on that one. You definitely do. So, at this point, you know, the score is now 21-3, to and, uh, and you figure if you're a Pittsburgh fan – they have to score on the next possession. Uh, either it's going to be yeah, either a yeah, touchdown or field goal because all the momentum now is on Green Bay's side. They're up 21 to three, and they do just that. DG, they uh, they have a nice drive. Ben drives them down to the field. They score a touchdown. They make it 21 to ten at the half, and we have a ball game. You know, Green Bay for all the points that they've scored, they're only up 11, and basically, you know, they're, it's it's halftime, and and we have a ball game. Yeah, that that, that touchdown was huge because. It was towards the end of the half, and you're thinking, man, if they, like you said, they don't score here, this game is, you know, it, it's over. It's going to get away from them. But Pittsburgh was able to come back, get that, that huge score, and again, it turned, it did turn into a game, you know, because as, as you'll get into, uh, we'll get into in a minute, you know, Pittsburgh really had, did great in the second half, JB. Yeah, and then we have the halftime show, and you know, we've had, I've, I've heard a lot of people over the last couple of days complain that the halftime show, the the audio was bad, the black eyed peas, you know, they're not good. Um, and I hear all that kind of stuff, but, you know, I, I, I kind of see their point of view that their audio was bad, but I'll be honest with you, I love the Super Bowl halftime show for this reason. My daughter Sabrina is a big-time Black Eyed Peas fan, and she pretty much knows every song by heart. So, let's, you know, just picking her up during the game, we didn't put her to bed like we normally do, but she actually got to listen to the Black Eyed Peas live, and she, she had a great time. She was laughing. She was singing. Like I said, DG, she knows almost every word. And then, believe it or not, she also knows Usher. So when Usher came down <laughs> by surprise to sing, oh, my gosh, she went nuts. Like, she starts saying, I know that song, I know that song. 
and she started singing that song. So I thought it was one of the cutest <laughs> moments in my life, and I thought that the halftime show was a success only for the fact that it felt like a Sabrina halftime show. <laughs> well, um, I, I wish I had been there because I tell you what, that, watching Sabrina would have been better than the halftime show that we saw. All my friend and I did, we picked that apart, t- talking about how terrible Fergie sounds, you know, live. And we got into this whole debate about people, you know, famous pop stars like Katy Perry, who, according to what I've heard, sound awful live as opposed to, you know, the recordings and, and with all the machines and all the, the things that they do to make them sound good. But I thought the piece did not sound good. Everybody was ripping them apart. And uh, I was wondering, I'm like, man, JB liked the show, but now I see why and if I was in your shoes, I would have loved the show. You know, I would love the halftime show just as much. But I thought it was terrible. Um, you know, couldn't hear Usher, couldn't hear anything. Like I said, Fergie sounded terrible. The only one who sounded normal was Will I Am, and you know, whatever. Um, it's great that Sabrina knows the songs though, because I'm almost thirty and I don't even know their songs, did they? Yeah. So, you know, the halftime show was a success. Um, I I was nominated, but believe it or not, to uh, bring Sabrina to bed. She actually now chooses between mommy and daddy on who to bring her to bed. So, you know, basically um, I brought her upstairs, but unfortunately it took her a while to fall asleep. So I did miss a couple of plays, but I do know that by reading online and, you know, talking to my dad, that the uh, right out of the first, right out of the, the um, you know, into the third quarter, Green Bay basically goes three and out, and you feel like all the momentum now is on Pittsburgh's side, especially – since a TD might put this game out of reach, but no, um, Green Bay goes pretty much three and out, and the rest of the quarter, DG, is dominated by Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, it it was definitely, definitely dominated by Pittsburgh. I would even say the, the second half was dominated by Pittsburgh. The fact is that Pittsburgh could have won this game and probably should have won the game, but the Packers were able to hold them off. You know, you cannot fault Rodgers. He had a great game, and it was just – it was just pure gold, JB. It was pure gold. Yep. So basically, Mendenhall scores a rushing touchdown, and now we have a 21 to 17 game, and it's unbelievable that um, after all these turnovers, Pittsburgh is right back in it. They pretty much had, they probably led in every category except for the score in all their stats between rushing, yeah. Touch, yeah. you know, rushing yards and passing yards. So we they have did, 21 to. Yeah, we have 21-17 to close out the third quarter. And, you know, all you can ask for as a football fan, if your team's not in it, is to have a great game and have a, you know, a great fourth quarter. And basically we had a great finish. I mean, it was 21-17, basically. um, And then, you know, you have the fourth quarter, which was, um, I thought, a great finish. But, you know, the first part, the, the four key things to the game, I must say, is that there was another turnover uh, by Pittsburgh, which probably may have been the nail in the coffin, DG. Mendenhall basically fumbles, yeah, Mendenhall yeah. fumbles the ball, and then uh, Green Bay turns that into another touchdown. So now, you know, yeah. they're up, they're up twenty-eight to seventeen. Thoughts on that turnover? Yeah. yeah. No, that that was you're right. You're right. I was listening to the, the fan yesterday. Mike was talking about that, and uh, and I agree. You know, it was definitely the the nail, the final nail in the coffin. Even though at the end, the thing, the thing though. All right, that was the nail in the coffin, so to speak. But Pittsburgh, even on the last drive, JB, they still could have come back and won the game. Uh, you know, the Mendenhall, the Mendenhall turnover was key, no doubt. Um, I mean, Pittsburgh just muffed every chance they had. You know, the, Packer, the Packers outplayed them, definitely, but Pittsburgh helped along the way to, to this loss. Yep, so it's 28-17, to and now Pittsburgh does come back, 
and score a touchdown, and they they convert a two point conversion, and all of a sudden now again it's twenty eight to twenty five, and you start thinking, is this game going to go into overtime? And wouldn't that be interesting to use the overtime rules, the new overtime rules, in the Super Bowl? So uh, you had the feeling at twenty eight twenty five DG that this game might go into overtime. I actually, uh, you know, definitely I could see why you were thinking it may have gone into overtime, but I was actually thinking that the uh, that the Steelers were going to come back and win. I got to admit, I was running against them hard, but I, but I was nervous, Sidney. I was definitely nervous. Yep. Well, Green Bay then has a nice drive. Um, you figure that if they score a touchdown this this drive right here, the next drive, they, they could actually, you know, pretty much salt away the rest of the game and, and win the title. But uh, they only settle for a field goal, and now the score is 31 to 25, which gives Pittsburgh a shot, believe it or not, to despite all the turnovers, to win the game by one point. I mean, it's, they're only up six points. They're only up 31 to 25, and Pittsburgh has one last drive to, you know, try to make that winning touchdown. But you know, fortunately for the Green Bay Packers and their fans, they make a stand on fourth down. The the ball's thrown incomplete. I guess you know Pittsburgh was looking for a flag. But there was no fight to be found, and Green Bay Packers win their fourth Vince Lombardi Trophy, and they are now the Super Bowl champions. Yeah, it was amazing, JB, when the uh, the Packers weren't able. I noticed how they were killing time, which was great, but when they weren't able to convert into a touchdown, I, I thought this is it. You know, this is going to be bad. They're going to lose. But you know what? The Steelers couldn't get the job done, and, you know, I'm happy for it. I'm ecstatic for it. I'm just glad that Pittsburgh did not win this game, did they? Yeah, I mean, congratulations to Aaron Rodgers. He had a great game. He threw for over 300 yards, was the MVP of the Super Bowl. And, you know, who knows what the collective bargaining bargain agreement. So, basically, um, if this team stays intact, DG, I think that this team, you know, can definitely contend and can definitely has a shot to repeat next year. And, as a, you know, last note on the Super Bowl, uh, as a game, we could talk about the commercials after we take this caller. But um, you know, I did predict thirty-one to twenty-seven, and thirty-one to twenty-five is not too bad, DG. Not too bad. You definitely did, JB. A uh, good prediction. I mean, you were right from the beginning when you told me off the air that uh, you thought Green Bay was going to be able to take it all. You, you mentioned that to me uh, the first week of the playoffs. So you know, they, they were your dark horse. They were the team you picked. So I got to give credit to you. You know, give credit where credit is due. Um, you know what? They got the they got the job done, and I think that the most uh, most important part of the Lombardi Trophy is the fact that Aaron Rodgers hoisted the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. And I loved it because I see, you know, in the the preview to the game, they did like a WWE style package where Rodgers is doing the whole, uh, you know, wanting the the title belt, which uh, wrestlers do. And I love that JB. It was definitely definitely some some good stuff there. But folks, we're gonna take this call. We have. Joining us, folks, alive and on the air, we have Angel from West Patterson. Angel, how are you doing, sir? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. I'm listening to your comments. You, you sound very, uh, very professional. I uh, thank you. <laughs> I, I have listened to you a couple of times. I haven't been able to uh, get on the air, but hopefully, you know, with the grace of God, I'm talking to you right now, and uh, I'm very, uh, very happy for that. Thank you, Angel. Uh, what what did you think of the Super Bowl? The Super Bowl was fantastic. I I I think that uh, Green Bay. I think they could have they could have won by more points than what they did. They you know he had a lot of drops, so that had uh, yeah. had something to do with it. 
But other than yeah, that, you know, I also have a question because I know you guys are very professional. And uh, I was thinking about Herschel Walker. Now, I was talking to a couple of guys today. I was working out, and uh, that, that topic came up. And I was wondering if he started out with Dallas or he started out with the uh, with the Titans. So uh, I, uh, you know, I'm kind of debating. I think he started out with Dallas, but I'm not sure. I mean, I think well, he did too. I mean, if uh, when you mean the Titans, you mean the the Houston Oilers, right, Angel? He, yes. Well, they okay. were the, the Houston Oilers at, at that particular time. I know that they they moved over. So uh, right. No, I, 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 I'm just you know I, I'm just debating back and forth if he started with Dallas or he started with uh, with the Titans. No, I believe well, right. I you know, you. at that particular time. I think they were in Houston too. Right, I think right. they were the Houston uh, Oilers at that time. You're probably yes, too were. young. You probably don't remember all this. <laughs> well, actually, uh, Angel, I think I was about four when this happened, but he was okay. drafted. You're correct. He was drafted by the Dallas Cowboys. Okay. that's. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, I know that you guys are doing a fantastic job. You're, you're very professional. It's not like some other stations that I do not want to mention them, but the uh the person who's in charge of it he's very um he's very arrogant and he cuts the people off if you know what i mean yeah i, I think i have an idea what you're talking about but okay. if you want to get the Herschel Walker thing like yeah like i told you before no, i, I don't want to mention names but you guys sound like very professional thanks a lot for uh, answering my question and about the super bowl i i i was hoping to see the jets in there so was i angel so was i <laughs> <laughs> but they were unfortunate, you know. They uh, they played a good second half. I mean, if they would have put it together, I think they would have they would have been there. And I think they could I think they could have beat the, the I think they could have beat Green Bay. Yeah, I agree. I, I definitely mean, agree. Please. I was hoping. No, I was gonna say I was hoping for an all green uh, Super Bowl, and I definitely would have been uh, rooting for the Jets. My partner is a Jets fan. My my dad is actually a Jets fan also, and uh, I'm glad that. I mean, I'm not glad that they lost, but you know what? I'm glad that the other green team was able to to pull off the victory. I'm not a fan of the Steelers. I've mentioned this on the show before, and uh, I'm glad you think they were very professional because I like to think that we're very professional ourselves. (laughs) I tell you, man, you guys are doing a fantastic job. But, you know, I just found out about the station, and believe me, uh, I'm going to call more often and, you know, see if I get some of my, uh, my colleagues to call also and, you know, so I could uh, I could get some input from them too. Angel, the biggest compliment we could have is for you to tell us that we're professional and to spread the word about Pure Gold because, you know, we try to tell it like it is. We try to not, you know, we try to keep our callers uh, and try not to be rude to them like some other stations. So we appreciate hey. your call. <laughs> hey, listen, that's uh, being very professional, and it's been a pleasure <laughs> talking to you guys. And uh, keep up the good work, and I wish the best for you. Thank you, sir. We uh, we definitely appreciate that, Angel. Thank you. You're always welcome to call in. And, uh, folks, that was a very professional phone call from the professional himself, Angel from West Patterson. Uh, JB, I thought the Herschel Walker thing was interesting simply because of the fact that, uh, you know, I was looking up, you know, looking up his stats. We had the producer looking up. And uh, Herschel actually played a couple years with the Cowboys. He then went to the Vikings, played with the Eagles, one year with the Giants, and went back and finished his career with Dallas, uh, you know, back in 97. He's also doing mixed martial arts. And the reason that I find it interesting is because 
uh, Keith Elias last Tuesday mentioned Herschel as one of the biggest uh, contributors to his career and one of the guys he just loved being around. And I forgot to mention that, uh, you know, Herschel had just picked up his second MMA victory uh, the week before Keith came on. Yeah, I mean, when, when Angel brought up the uh, Herschel Walker reference, I, I, I thought he was going to go, and I thought at first it was going to be a religious reference, but uh, no, it was not a religious reference. <laughs> no, it was not. We are not talking about the New Testament or the Old Testament, folks. We are talking about football, and we're talking pure gold. JB, any thoughts on the uh, Super Bowl commercials? Well, before I get to the commercials, I want to tell you, DG, that, um, you know, our mystery caller last week told us not to talk about wrestling, but how ironic is that the, you know, football and wrestling are tied so well together. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, I, I, I think he, he cared more about getting that belt around his, his shoulder, around his waist, than actually hoisting the Vince Lombardi trophy. <laughs> well, considering the fact that Rodgers saw about getting team like he wanted to give the trophy up, yeah, he was probably a little more interested in getting the, the WWE title belt because I know he's a, he's a wrestling fan, and uh, I can't believe that, uh, you know, tonight being the SmackDown tapings as we speak, a bunch of the Green Bay Packers were going to go to the game and uh, go to the event. And yesterday's Raw was in Milwaukee, so, you know, they were referencing uh, Green Bay as well. But we'll get into that any minute, JB. How how interesting is it that the WWE almost like, I don't know if they do it all the time, but it seems like they do it uh, quite a few times, that, you know, basically the team that wins the Super Bowl, the team that wins the championship, they're on Raw the very next night. So I always find it interesting how, like, does Vince actually know who's going to win the Super Bowl? And it's like, let's go to Milwaukee, you know, Green Bay. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I was fascinated by that because, you know, they're not going to be in, uh, they're not going to be in, uh, blanked out for a second, Pittsburgh for, I think, a month. But the fact is that they, two days after, the day after the Super Bowl, they're there in Wisconsin it's just amazing. I, I guess Vince must have known. You know, what can I say? Vince knows wrestling. He knows football. Yep. So for that mystery caller to tell me that, you know, we should be talking about football, well, guess what? Mr. Aaron Rodgers, the MVP, you know, he he wanted the belt around his waist, and deservedly so because I'm a big belts guy. And, you know, the Vince Lombardi trophy is nice, but, you know, having a belt is just as nice, let me tell you. Um, talking about commercials, DG, uh, I really want to get into it before we go to our update. Um you know, the people that don't watch and have these uh, Super Bowl parties, like I mentioned on Thursday, you know, they, they do love to critique these commercials. And, you know, we can spend a, yeah. a couple minutes on it. DG, uh, before I tell you what my favorite commercial was, um, I want to ask you what your favorite commercial was. Well, I can tell you what my least favorite commercial was. Um, there was a lot of there was a lot of Bud Light commercials. It doesn't surprise me because I know Bud is, you know, since going back, they have the Bud Bowl and the uh, – you know, lizards and all that other stuff. But I was just amazed at how many commercials there were. And I get the whole prestige of, of having a Super Bowl commercial, but what I don't understand is if you're Bud and everybody on the planet knows who Bud is, why are they spending like $20 million, you know, that could be going to other stuff, that could be going to pay, you know, maybe hire new employees or whatever the case is. Why are they spending millions of dollars to do Super Bowl commercials? Everybody knows who Bud is. You know, between them and Doritos, they probably spent, uh, you know, they could have given that money to President Obama. We could have been out of, uh, you know, our, our debt. You know, we're, 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 how many trillions of dollars are we in there? That would, that would have made a nice uh, debt. But um, least favorite commercial, I thought this was tasteless and classless, J.B. I want to get your thoughts on this. Groupon, uh, they did a Tibet commercial with Timothy Hunt. And I'm, I'm not a politically correct type of guy, per se. You know, being a minister, you have to always be politically correct with people, 
But when it comes to commercials and things like that, I was I was honestly a little, a little offended by that whole, you know, all the problems in Tibet, blah, blah, blah. Oh, and by the way, they make a great fish curry. I mean, if that was Saturday Night Live, I could understand it. But to do that during the Super Bowl, I mean, if anything, they probably lost clients and, and potential people to go to the website, JB. I just thought that was bad taste and just a waste of millions of dollars to, to air that ad. I, I totally agree with you. I mean, what were they thinking was, was you know, something I was thinking. So, uh, they were thinking, definitely, obviously. Yeah, they weren't thinking. It was very tasteless and very poor. So, um, but, you know, we're running a little short on time. What was your favorite commercial? Um, you know, I can't think now because I took notes on my least favorite commercial. Maybe maybe you'll actually mention it. I know the Doritos commercial was popular with a lot of my friends, the one where the guy uh, rips the pants off and licks the fingers and stuff. Uh, you know, what was your favorite commercial? Well, you nailed it. I mean, I, I couldn't stop <laughs> laughing. Watching the Doritos commercial with the guy saying, you know, basically he's finishing his chips right next to his coworker, and he's like, "Are you, fin- you know, are you gonna finish that?" And the guy's like, "I'm already done with it." And all of a sudden, you know, he takes the guy's fingers and starts licking him, and you know, the facial expression by the guy while he's licking him is priceless. And yeah, then, yeah. <laughs> you know, they they cut to another scene, and then all of a sudden he's ripping the guy's pants off because the guy rubbed, you know, the rest of the Doritos <laughs> on his pants. So I, I definitely thought yeah. that that was the best commercial. The other commercial that I thought was good, but I missed it, and, um, you know, it was probably, you know, I don't know if it's poor taste or not, but it was in the third quarter when I missed it, but I heard about it, and I watched it online the next day, was a Sealy's commercial, and you basically see couples basically in bed, and basically, you know, they say something about, like, you know, spring is better, or springs are better than, I guess they meant springs are better than the Postopedic. I remember, I remember that commercial, and I remember thinking, um, you know, what, what, what the heck is this commercial about? But when I realized that it was a serious commercial, I actually thought it was very good because, you know, it, it was kind of, it got you thinking one way, and then all of a sudden it's a bed commercial. So I like that. And now that you mentioned, uh, I, I just remember what probably one of my favorite commercials was. It was, a, I think it was a Volkswagen commercial with a kid dressed up as Darth Vader, and he kept trying to use uh, Darth Vader's powers and use the force, and it didn't work. But then at the end, his dad is messing with the controller, and he's, like, moving the car. I thought that was a cute commercial, you know, and I, and I, I kind of like that one. Yeah, I mean, in terms of cuteness, like, uh, for me, for some reason, when I think of good commercials, I think of funny ones. And you're right, that was a good commercial, too. It was cute. You know, the kid, you know, felt like he had some kind of power as Darth Vader, but his dad had that, you know, self-start time. So, yeah, the self-start. Yeah. So I thought that was a cute commercial as well. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, before we get into our sports update, folks, we have uh, we got a sponsorship going today, folks. Uh, do you have a copier, printer, fax machine, a computer, or even a typewriter that needs repair? If you do, call Executive Business Machines at 201-797-9400, located in Elmwood Park, New Jersey. EBM has been a family-owned and operated business for over 50 years, where they specialize in service, sales, and supplies on all equipment. Once again, call Executive Business Machines for all your needs, whether it's a printer, fax machine, copy, or computer. Their number, 201-797-9400. Mention Pure Gold, and you will get a 20% discount, folks. Folks, are you in need of a company logo? How about a flyer for your next big event? You have an idea that we could, you know, we have an idea that, I'm sorry, folks. You have an idea, and we can make it reality. (laughs) 
For your graphic design, please call DRG Designs at 973-588-7572. Once again, the number is 973-588-7572. And when you call, please mention Pure Gold. Folks, those are ads for the day. Those are sponsors. I will try to get them back in at the end of the show. We have with us a new member of the Pure Gold team. You'll be hearing his thoughts each and every show. It's possible. We have our sports update with Mr. Todd Johnstone, a.k.a. TJ. Todd, how are you doing, sir? Good evening, gentlemen. How are you this evening? Okay, Great. here are our quick spin around the NHL. The Hurricanes drop a heartbreaker to the Devils. The Maple Leafs rally back in the third to defeat the Islanders. Sorry about that, guy. Sharks. <laughs> Over the Capitals, 2 nothing. Capitals are falling apart. What is with the Capitals? Sabres finish up 7-4 over the Lightning. And the Blues beat the Panthers 2-1. to In the NBA, 76ers run away with one against the Hawks, 117-83. Magic over the Clippers, no big surprise there either. We have the Bucks over the Raptors, 92-74. to Thunder. Still playing, 7.20 left to play in the fourth. Uh, Grizzlies over the Thunder, 82-81. to Nail-biter there. And Timberwolves are down two to the Rockets with 11.40 to play in the fourth quarter. In men's college basketball, all games are complete. We have number 12, Purdue, defeats Indiana, 67-53. to Number six, San Diego State, uh, 10.30 tonight. They tip off. They should be tipping off any minute now. Number 18, Kentucky, 41 over Tennessee, 41-30 over Tennessee. <laughs> DePaul loses to Cincinnati. Xavier to Georgia. Buffalo over St. Michigan. Jacksonville over North Florida. And in women's college basketball, I simply have a question for all of you psych majors. If a game is played and nobody views it, does the game actually happen? No, I think not. <laughs> <laughs> and that is your sports update. Thank you, sir. Uh, before we let you go, we have also another part of uh, this segment, which we'd like to call Todd's Take. So, Todd, what do you have for us today, sir? On Saturday night, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, a crime was committed. The Pro Hope Football Hall of Fame continued its proud tradition of announcing its class of enshrinees for the current year. This year's current class consists of one Richard Dent, Chris Hanberger, Les Richter, Deion Sanders, Shannon Sharp, Marshall Falk, and innovative filmmaker genius Ed Sable. Mysteriously missing from this list, once again, number 99, the great Mark Gassineau, who held the NFL sack record for 17 years until it was handed away on a silver platter by one Brett Favre <laughs> to Michael Strahan. Joe Klecko, the first NFL player to ever Pro Bowl at three separate positions, also mysteriously missing from this list. Our good friend, Curtis Martin robbed of his position on this list. This is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Still there, Todd? 
Well, folks, lost... it looks like you lost Todd. Uh, Todd is so excited that he cut his microphone off and he was just going nuts <laughs> about the Jets. Um, the voice sounds familiar, but uh, we, we thank Todd for his take. If we get him back on, uh, he can, you know, calm down off of his uh, his high, whatever he's, he's on. Uh, talking about Curtis Martin and Mark uh, Mark Gaston. JB, any thoughts on that before we uh, move on? Um, just I want to hit on the the basic, I think, overall rant that uh, Todd was giving us. Well, he's back. Uh, let's let him finish up. <laughs> Sorry yeah, about that. Todd's microphone is back. <laughs> All right, Todd, go. Curtis Martin, who managed to, in 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 one less year than Marshall Falk, gain almost 2,000 yards more. The only difference between Curtis Martin and Marshall Falk, other than a piece of hardware, is a rushing title. These two had very similar careers. Are we saying that a piece of hardware outweighs being the better player? Is that what we are telling everybody? To me, a crime has been committed. And the NFL Pro Football Hall of Fame needs to make this right. I need justice to be done. That's my rant. And you can consider yourself taken. Oh, nice. I mean, that's Todd's take. And, uh, you know, you know the, the the thing I want to mention too is that you know I don't understand how somebody that is not a athlete gets into the Hall of Fame over an athlete, and when you have the fourth leading rusher of all time, Curtis Martin, not getting into the Hall of Fame first ballot, it's really a shame when they you know they they got to do something about the Hall of Fame where a person that never played a, a down in his life gets into the Hall of Fame for his you know his his video and his you know what he brought yeah. to the game off of the field. But a guy like Curtis Martin doesn't get on, you know, get into the Hall of Fame first ballot. Something's definitely wrong with the Hall of Fame in terms of football there. Yeah, um, I don't know, JB. Honestly, I think that something is wrong with the Hall of Fame, period, in any sport. You look at baseball, you look at football. I mean, you know, if you're going to elect 85 guys, I guess the whole idea is not to take away the glory from whomever. But like you said, you know, Curtis Martin, deserving of the Hall of Fame, did it get in first ballot? I mean, I'm sure that... It, he, to Curtis, he, he might be a little disappointed, but he's going to say, and I actually heard him say on Boomer and Carton, that getting in is the same. It doesn't matter if it's first or fifteenth. You know, getting in, it's an honor, it's a privilege, and he's happy about that. But I guess as fans, it's really what uh, Todd obviously being a Jets fan. Um, that's really what irks us because you look at even you know when it comes to baseball, like Andre Dawson getting in by himself, um, you know, last year. I think there's a travesty. Guys who should have gotten in, even Burt Blylevin or Burt Alomar could have gotten in last year. Why does it have to be just a couple of guys? Why can't it be more? You know, if they're deserving of the Hall of Fame, get them in the Hall of Fame. But that's all I have to say about that, JB. Yeah, I mean, that's all I have to say, too. I just I don't appreciate it when, you know, the the guy has the stats and doesn't get in, and then the guy, the guy that never played football gets into the Hall of Fame. I just think that you should have two wings of the Hall of Fame. You should have the wing that, you know, the athletes actually played and the wing that the people that contributed to make what the NFL is today, like uh, Mr. Sable. Yeah, I, I mean, I get what you're saying, Joe, but I don't I don't think that uh, Ed Sable getting into the Hall of Fame had any, you know, it precluded um, Curtis Martin from getting in or Mark Aston or whomever. I just think that, you know, they look at his two separate entities and, you know, it's not like Sable got in and that way Martin couldn't get in. But, you know, I digress. Uh, JB, would you like to move on to some wrestling talk before we, uh, you know, as we move on with the show? Yeah, I mean, we have um, last night was Monday Night Raw. Um, basically, they were in Milwaukee. And, uh, DG, what did, uh, what did you take from the first uh, half hour of the show? 
Well, for the first time in a long time, I actually watched most of Raw live. Um, you know, the wife and I made a decision. We weren't really watching too much TV, so we got rid of our uh, triple play, the Optimum triple play. And I love Optimum online, by the way. Optimum is a great company that should be sponsoring us as well, but uh, I digress. Um, the, the, you know, Vince came out at the beginning, and he made a quasi-announcement that he's making an announcement next week. Don't know what the point was of having Vince there last night, but, you know, whatever. It, I guess it hypes up next week a little bit. Really, all they should have done is announce Vince McMahon will be here next week, and people would have tuned in. But I digress. Um, you know, it was interesting the way the way the show started. Uh, you know, Vince hyping up WrestleMania is bigger than the Super Bowl. Obviously, Vince is uh, delusional, but you know that's that's neither here nor there. Um, it was nice to see him online. Uh, online, excuse me. It was nice to see him on the air, and I guess they're ignoring the fact that he's supposedly been in a coma at the hands of the old Nexus. Speaking of the new Nexus. Uh, they took out Randy Orton, which, you know, that segued right into uh, Orton came out, Vince left. They took out Orton, they took out our truth, John Morrison, and Sheamus. And, of course, JB, during the show, they did not take out John Cena. I have to admit, it was nice to see them doing something other than solely focusing on Cena, even though Cena, you know, was triumphant yet again. I thought it was interesting, JB, and I had to uh, mention this to you, um, I love the continuity that they showed where CM Punk interrupted Orin, right, and he, before they took him out. And he explained to him exactly why he cost him the world title a couple of weeks ago at the Royal Rumble. They showed a clip of Orton and Legacy taking out Punk back in Unforgiven 2008 when uh, Punk was the world heavyweight champ. That caused him to forfeit the title. Can we say continuity, folks? I loved it. JB, give us your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, it's great to have a storyline come full circle three years later. Yeah. Um, so it was definitely cool to see um, CM Punk, you know, actually explain a legit reason why he attacked Randy Orton and why he's after Randy Orton. But to, to open the show, let's let me backtrack real fast. To open the show, I don't understand how Vince opens the show and doesn't explain. Like I guess they dropped the whole storyline of him being out of the coma. So you know, and then yeah. he announces that next week there's going to be a WrestleMania host. I don't understand what that really means because I don't think WrestleMania mm-hmm. ever had a host. So that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I'm going to guess right now and tell you that I, I guess it could be Shawn Michaels because he's Mr. WrestleMania. So he, I'm guessing that, that he's our guest host. I mean, he's, I'm going to guess that he's our guest host, by the way. Yeah. Um, I, I, you're guessing that he's our guest host. Um, it would be great if Shawn came out and super kicked somebody in every match, and that would be worth you know the price of admission. But uh, I hadn't thought about that, Jamie. That's actually a really good idea to have uh, HBK as a, as a guest host. I was actually thinking Bob Barker was going to cut a 30-minute promo in place of a U.S. title match or something, and he was going to you know go out there and uh, show us how it's done. Yeah, I mean, and then going through Raw, like you said, um, you know, basically Nexus took out a lot of guys except for Cena, but um, obviously I DVR'd it. I DVR'd it, and I watched it and fast-forward again, but good God, I'm going to say it again, and I know that I shouldn't spend much time on it, so I'll go right to the next topic, but I saw the commercial for Chaperone, and anybody that spends money on a movie like that is got to get they got to get their head checked because Triple H should not be making any movies. He should not be making any movies. And then the only uh, movie Triple H should be making. Sorry, JD, yeah. I was going to say the only the only movie uh, uh, Triple H should be making is The Life and Times of uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley. That's about it. That, that's about it. And then speaking of commercials, we saw that commercial again for um, you know February twenty first, two thousand eleven. And I remember you saying yeah. uh, last week sometime, you're like, you're 100% guaranteed this is Sting. But uh, unfortunately, yeah. after listening to some of the music, what do you think now, DJ? Well, uh, I, have to, I have to say that um, 
I was convinced of it. I actually spoke to Pyro today, and uh, I, now I'm not too sure. I was convinced that it wasn't Sting, and now I'm back to thinking it might be Sting because, you know, the w, if you're going to look at it, you know, face value, WWE all but confirmed the fact that the 221.11 promos are for The Undertaker. However, this might be a red herring for us Internet geeks, the smart fans, as we like to say. Personally, I can't stand The Undertaker. I know he's super popular. I know he's an all-time great. I don't want to take any of that away from him. But I wish that he had been retired last year instead of Shawn Michaels because that I still haven't gotten over that. I vowed to never watch wrestling again, and it took me a while, but, you know, I got back into it. Um, but nevertheless, they played a, a Johnny Cash song. The lyrics went something like this. There ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. And, JB, that was a song used in a promo for, I believe, last year's WrestleMania with Sean and Undertaker. So that obviously would make anybody think they're talking about that. Undertaker was buried alive at the Survivor Series thanks to the old Nexus. They can't even bring that story back up again. But, uh, you know, the match with Kane. So that would obviously make you think that it's the Undertaker. But at the same time, it doesn't make any sense to be the Undertaker, JB. Why would they cut a weird promo like that? Taker's always, you know, I'm coming back, uh, you know, crosses, gongs, all that other stuff, graveyards, where it's obvious to the Undertaker. Why would they need to hide him coming back, JB? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, whenever Taker comes back from being mysteriously killed, and I think he's been killed like at least seven, eight times or even more in his career, you mm -hmm. know, and then somehow gets revived with some weird lightning and some weird special effects. So to bring him back this way is not surprising again. But um, you're right, it doesn't make sense that, you know, all this hype would be leading up to the Taker. But um, I'll, I'll be like you, I'll be disappointed if it ends up being Taker and not Sting. I yeah. really will. I, I totally, you know, obviously we're on the same page when it comes to that. I want Sting to be there. It needs to be Sting. The fact of the matter is that if this is going to lead to a third, a fourth, a fifth, I forget how many times uh, Kane and Taker have gone out at WrestleMania, if this is going to lead to another Undertaker-Kane match at WrestleMania, then you have got to super kick me, JB. Lights out cold. I do not want to see that. And the only way that I would want to see that is if Kane actually wins and ends the Undertaker streak because I've, I've read this, you know, that Undertaker wanted Kane to end the streak, but Kane has too much respect for Taker, won't do it. We don't need to see those two. That, that'll be a big old flop fest. We don't need to see them go at it again at WrestleMania. Somebody please tell me that's not the case. If it's Sting, I would absolutely love it because Sting is one of my all-time favorites. He's one of the all-time greatest. He's the best that's never laid a pair of boots in the WWE, and that whole boots in the commercial, the trench coat, moving a little bit faster than The Undertaker. I just can't picture it being Taker. I hope it's not Taker, JB. I'm going to, I don't know, I'm, I, I might throw my cat out the house if, if it's Undertaker, I, I got to say. Yeah, I mean, I, I love the next segment, DG. I really like the interaction now between uh, Jerry the King Lawler and, and The Miz, and I think oh, you know, yeah, the, more and more, the more and more we get to close to Elimination Chamber, I really am pulling hard for Jerry Lola to actually win the title now. I know that they're going to set up, I think the, the main event for WrestleMania is going to be Miz versus Cena, and I think that the King yeah. would drop the title the next night on Raw, and I know you're not a big fan of that, but I think the King nope. uh, deserves one t you know, one one night you know, in his glory, and I think he deserves to win the title. The at 
Yeah, I think he deserves to win the Elimination Chamber uh, main event match with Miz. And I think, obviously, he'll drop it then, because I think then Jerry Lawler will will get to WrestleMania, and he'll probably end up fighting Riley instead of, you know, for the title in the main event. So he'll get to fight at WrestleMania, but, but probably against Riley. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if they go with uh, some type of gimmick match with uh, Cole and Lawler. But I actually agree with you in the sense that that interaction was great. I think it only helps him is because I like Miz. I think he's great. I think he has talent. But in my opinion, I don't see him as a credible world champ. I just don't for whatever reason. I see him as, an, as a mid-carder. But, you know, he's obviously got the strap right now. Um, having him interact with a legend like Jerry Lawler only helps his career, only helps his promo skills. That was, that was definitely, you know, one of the highlights of the show. Uh, you know, I really enjoyed that. I don't want Lawler to win. I don't think that he should win, but I get what you're saying. See, my thing, JB, and uh, I want to tie back into something. I want to get back into the whole continuity thing because I never got to finish. Um, I like the fact that, you know, speaking of Punk and, and uh, Orin, and I'm going to tie this in with the whole Miz thing, I like the fact that they went back to an old feud. They mentioned that, you know, Punk has been on different shows than Orton, all the injuries they sustained. It was great to see the WWE bring back an old story, try to build on it. Uh, especially since, you know, they're infamous for dropping stories out of nowhere and starting feuds out of left field, like the whole uh, Vince Tacoma thing. But it makes no sense to me, JB, if you're going to have Cena and and um, Miz at WrestleMania, that story, there's really not much of a basis of a story unless you're going to say when Miz was trying to make a name for himself, he kept doing the sock thing and Miz 2-0, 3-0, 4-0, whatever it was, and Cena finally called him out and whooped him. But... The fact that Nexus is focusing on, on Cena is ridiculous. They should be focusing on Randy Orton. It should be Punk against Orton because that actually makes sense. To go after Cena, who already single-handedly dismantled the original Nexus, doesn't make any sense unless they're trying to say, well, we, we can do what Wade can never do, which obviously they can't because Cena keeps winning. But Cena Miz doesn't have much hype to it. Cena, uh, Miz Lawler actually has more hype. And from just a pure wrestling booking perspective, would make more sense to, to main event WrestleMania than uh, Cena Miz. Any thoughts on that, JB? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I, I couldn't believe that we had a main event of of John Cena versus Punk straight up. I mean, that's a a pay per view quality match, and then to put it on yeah, Raw, I thought exactly. it was just weird. I mean, you could have those two guys fight at SummerSlam now at this point because you're gonna have. You can have Punk against Orton at WrestleMania, and then you could basically build a feud, and you could have, you know, a blow-off match with Cena against Punk at SummerSlam because you're not going to have it at WrestleMania, obviously. So um, I, I didn't understand that, and I didn't understand, and they keep doing it. First, just tell me why they keep like bringing SmackDown guys onto Raw. I mean, it's so obvious that SmackDown is hurting right now that they have to bring their their talent to Raw to be noticed. Yeah, that, that's definitely a good point. I'm glad you brought that up because that wasn't on my rundown, but it was something that I did want to mention because the fact of the matter is, you're right, JB, to bring Alberto Del Rio for no reason other than the fact that he you know, he needs to get mentioned per se and he needs exposure and they're trying to help uh, you know, SmackDown, it, it shows you how weak SmackDown is, and it's definitely not good. I was actually hoping that Booker would be wrestling uh, on SmackDown, but instead he's commentating, which, you know, I'll take whatever book of man I can get. But I agree, JB. You know, I like Del Rio, and, and tell me what you think about this. I actually, and I, I like Santino also, but I thought that Santino got in way too much offense against the, uh, you know, the guy who we think is going to be the world heavyweight champion come WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, he definitely did. But, you know, 
to get the fans into it. I think that they had a show that Santino had a shot. They teased the fans, and obviously then Del Rio finished them off with that, you know, basically trying to do the arm breaker on what he actually calls yeah. it. But it was it was decent. I mean, it was a good spot, I thought, for both guys. Uh, but, again, to have the crossovers, I'm just it just makes you wonder, you know, it makes you wonder why even have the brands if you're going to bring all the guys over, yeah. the big guys from SmackDown to Raw. And one last thing before we close up on Raw, can you just explain to me that whole Sheamus, Atunga, Mark Henry segment? I didn't understand it at all. Well, all I can say is that Punk said he had a plan. He wanted to take out everybody in the chamber. He obviously faked the information to Josh Matthews about uh, Mark Henry talking smack about him. So Henry took out Sheamus and Atunga did nothing. I thought it made Atunga look weak. It was good in the sense that it took out, you know, Sheamus as a competitor. But it, it also shows that they just keep burying, burying Sheamus for whatever reason. I don't know what he did. I don't know if he, you know, accidentally uh, gave the brogue kick to Stephanie McMahon in, the, in, you know, backstage. But, I mean, he has been so buried, JB, that I'm surprised that Santino hasn't beaten him for his King of the Ring crown. You know, it, it just, I don't know. You know, I, I don't want to spend too much time on that. But, uh, you know, one more note on Raw, actually, JB, before we move on. They were in Milwaukee. Um, R-Truth made the mistake, and this is the only time I've liked Michael Cohen. I don't know how long, but R-Truth made the mistake of calling it Green Bay, and the crowd was booing the pants off of R-Truth, which I loved. Um, they were actually chanting, and I've never heard this before, JB. They were chanting Milwaukee, Milwaukee. I thought that was great. Cole, I can't stand him, but he was going nuts. He was so over the top with the segment about how much of a goof that R-Truth was by giving the wrong name of the city, I loved it. He just was bashing him for getting the name on. The crowd wasn't even into the match. They were just hating on R-Truth the whole time. They, you know, he got beat up at the end, and they didn't care. I, I thought that was a horrible job by R-Truth. Talk about butchering, uh, you know, the, the national anthem. But messing up the name of the town that you're in, that that's pretty bad. Yeah, that's that's pretty bad. I mean, the fans rightfully so got on him and got on the whole night. So, you know, when you mess up the town that you're in, that's that's pretty bad, D.G., yeah, I, I agree. And, you know, as we as we go towards uh, closing out the show, they were in Milwaukee, not Green Bay. Um, speaking of Green Bay, when Del Rio was fighting with uh, Santino, all I thought of was how great would it have been if Mr. Kennedy or Mr. Anderson was still with the WWE, the Packers winning the Super Bowl from his hometown of Green Bay, SmackDown being in Green Bay. That would have been great. I would have loved it. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, that's uh, you know, about all the time we have for all. But, uh, moving on to uh, TNA, JB, give us your thoughts on the whole Jeff and Karen Jarrett angle. Sir, please break that down. Um, I, I don't want to spend much time on it because, um, as many people have said, TNA is just a, a bunch of crap and they don't know what they're doing. So uh, I saw the segment and um, I couldn't believe my eyes and ears when I saw Jeff Jarrett basically berating Kurt Angle's kids at, you know, Jeff Jeff Jarrett's house, and I thought that it was yeah. it was just a it was done in poor taste. And I watched it, and I told you to watch it because I wanted yeah, to get yeah. your take on it. But it was so bad that um, I, I can't believe they did it. And I believe it infuriated Kurt Angle, did it not? Well, that's what I that's what I figured. I mean, it, I don't think this would have gone on the air if Kurt didn't approve it. But I'm sure in some way, shape, or form, it bothered him, and it bothered me as a fan because. And, you know, two of those kids were our Kurt's kids, like you said, making fun of his son and stuff. Um, I, it left a bad taste in my mouth, considering how weird and how awkward this whole Kurt Angle, uh, 
formerly Karen Angle, Karen Jarrett, Jeff Jarrett. This whole thing happened. You know, Jarrett's wife died, and then he ended up hooking up with Karen after she broke up with Kurt. Like, that's just weird to me, that whole thing. And the whole Daddy Jeff and all that, that was just odd. And I don't think that has any place in wrestling. I just, I didn't like it, personally. I know you didn't like it. You know, imagine, uh, you know, whatever, whatever it is. You have somebody else calling, tell us to bring the call, you know, Daddy, uh, Daddy, whatever, you know, Daddy Jeff. I, I thought that was weird, JB. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, TNA, they, they run out of storylines. They don't know what to do. Sometimes they scramble. Uh, people leave, like, you know, Kevin Nash and Sting, and all of a sudden you have Immortal turning on Fortune and Fortune turning on Immortal. So it's one big slot fest, DG, and uh, let's just be happy that we watch we watch Raw and WWE as opposed to that crap. Yeah, I agree. You mentioned the, cat, the Jaren, Jarrett and Angle thing. I had to watch that. It's so bad. But when they were revealed to be Fortune, um, I have to admit, I was surprised AJ Styles, who are not known for his mic skills, great in the ring talent, cut a really good promo. I mean, obviously the writers wrote it for him, but I thought it was a really good, just well-done promo on his part. He delivered it well because that's half of the promo, uh, bashing Bishop and Immortal. But I believe that this is their backup plan, considering that Booker's gone, that Nash is gone, that the main event mafia, I guess they were going to bring back, are gone. I mean, who else could it have been other than Fortune, which makes no sense, but considering the options, I guess it's the best they can come up with. Yeah, I guess so. But anyway, folks, um, that's about all the time that we have today for uh, for Pure Gold. Um, you know, one more time, we are going to do the, uh, the sponsors for today's show. JB, take it away. Well, folks, do you need a company logo? What about a flyer for your next big event? Do you need an idea? We could actually make it a reality, folks. That's right. For your graphic designs, please call DRG Designs at 973-588-7572. Once again, the number is 973-588-7572. And when you call, please mention us, Pure Gold. Folks, do you have a copier, printer, fax machine, a computer, or even a typewriter that needs repair? Call Executive Business Machines at 201-797-9400. They are located in Elmwood Park, New Jersey. EBM is a family-owned and operated business for over 50 years. They specialize in service, sales, and supplies on all, I repeat, all office equipment. Once again, call Executive Business Machines at 201-797-9400. Mention Pure Gold and you will get a 20% discount. Folks, that's all the time that we have today. Um, remember that this Thursday we will have Mr. Anthony Tyler Quinn of Boy Meets World joining us. He has also appeared on TV shows with House, Cold Case, and Dexter, and the movie No Greater Love. We'll be taking a couple of calls during that, so make sure you call in before the lines fill up. Next Thursday, February 15th, I'm sorry, next Tuesday, forgive me, folks, one week from today we will have Evan Roberts of WFAN joining us. Evan is a huge wrestling fan, and we'll be discussing the Royal Rumble, the upcoming Elimination Chamber pay-per-view, which is that same Sunday, and also WrestleMania, along with his thoughts on the state of the mess, you know, which is the disaster that that is. It'll be another can't-miss interview, so make sure you tune in one week from today. That is all the time that we have today, folks. We special thanks to Todd for our sports update and Todd's take. Thanks to Fitz, our producer, and special thanks to Kelly, our board up. Remember to tune in next Thursday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for JB. This is DG of Pure Gold reminding you to always keep it PG. Good night, everyone.